I'm Afshin Ratansi and welcome back to Going Underground, broadcasting all around the world from the United Arab Emirates. Well, before Tuesday's Christian hospital atrocity in Gaza that shocked the world, there was the Russia, UAE, China, Mozambique, Gabon-backed UN resolution calling for a ceasefire. It was rejected by the USA, UK, France, NATO countries, arming Israel's aerial bombardment of 2.3 million people, half of whom are children. Arab leaders refused to even meet with U.S. President Biden when he flew in to support Netanyahu. Saudi Arabia condemned in the strongest terms what it called the heinous crime committed by Israeli occupation forces in their shelling of the hospital. Joining me in the Saudi capital is Salman al-Ansari, who, according to Arab News, was the most influential political pundit in the Middle East in 2021. Thank you so much, Salman, for uh, uh, coming on at this uh, obviously very sad uh, time. Uh, any update on the Saudi response to uh, what's happening in a week in which Biden and uh, the British Prime Minister uh, flew off to Tel Aviv to support Netanyahu after their uh, voting against a ceasefire at the UN Security Council? Yeah, thank you so much, uh, Afshan. Uh, it's great to be back with you. It's actually a tragedy what we are witnessing right now. And there are no words that can explain the human suffering in front of everyone's eyes. Uh, with regards to Saudi Arabia, definitely the Saudis and uh, during this year alone and before this Gaza conflict initiated 21 strong statements against the practices of the far right government of, of Israel. They condemned the accelerated illegal annexations in the West, in the West Bank, the 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 idea of kicking out fam families from their homes, the provocations against uh, the holy Islamic sites, and the killing of more than 200 Palestinians in the West Bank. So, so, and that was just before Gaza, just this year. And they explicitly, the government of Saudi Arabia, they explicitly said that these practices will explode the situation and endanger the peace process, which we are unfortunately witnessing right now. And 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 as for the current uh, Saudi position, the Saudi official position right now, uh, with regards to the Gaza situation, is primarily focusing a lot on the importance of de-escalation, of having uh, humanitarian uh, assistance access, and condemning and condemning the killing uh, of civilians from all sides and the complete rejection of the forced display, uh, displacement uh, plan of, of civilians and also definitely condemning the occupation and the two states and, and to mention that the two-state solution is the only way for peace why does it's, it why don't the Saudis uh, airlift aid to Gaza given obviously the uh, impossibility at the Rafah crossing yeah here's the thing the Saudis and the Egyptians and the Jordanians have all voiced their concerns about the idea of not having access to humanitarian aid. The Saudis have made it very clear, along with the Egyptians and the Jordanians, that they would be uh, bringing aid to, 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 to Gaza. But how can you bring aid to Gaza since you are bombarding even, even the, 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 the place where you actually uh, uh, want to, to, to have the access? But right now we have seen how the Saudis have pushed uh, the Americans, specifically when Secretary Blinken came to Riyadh, they made it very clear that you have to, it's actually a, a pity that we are trying our best to convince the Americans to have access to humanitarian aid. It's really a pity and it's going to be a stain on the U.S. Uh, uh, part. Definitely we've seen recently that they have lowered their their stance right now they the americans are actually more uh, uh, open with the idea of uh, of giving uh, aid to 
to, to the Palestinians. So that's a good development, but it's unfortunate that it came after a strong uh, push from Riyadh and Cairo. I mean, you worked out of Washington. You know how the Americans think. I know that one State Department official has already resigned from Blinken State Department. Josh Paul, director at the uh, Political Military Affairs at the State Department, resigned over this Biden-Gaza strategy. What, why do you think they voted against a ceasefire during an ongoing conflict where a million children are at risk of dying uh, or being killed? What's your understanding of... I mean, did, has not Look, enough should, people yeah. been killed yet? Yeah, I suppose no one can deny the fact that the current U.S. foreign policy is literally a disaster. It moves on impulses, not on strategies. It is reactive and not proactive. And, and as I said earlier, who have imagined the U.S. to be reluctant to allowing access of humanitarian aid to a besieged and bombarded Palestinian children Wait, and women? Sorry, sorry, who, but you, you have monitored the Saudi-U.S. relations for years, maybe decades. Have you ever seen anything like this uh, kind of behavior from Washington in public? It is actually very interesting and surprising for the fact that the American uh, uh, Democrats, they were the ones who claimed to be championing the Palestinians, and they were the ones who were trying to solve the issue through the two-state solution. But when they came to test, we saw how they were completely biased. And this is very, very unfortunate. And history will not forget these actions because we are not speaking of, of wars. We are speaking of civilians. We are speaking of women and children. We have more than 4,000 people got killed by this brutal uh, bombardment of the IDF. It's very, very, very sad what we are witnessing right now. But let's keep the hope high that the Americans are right now trying to rectify their trajectory by looking at things and naming things by their names, because that's going to be a big stain on the U.S. foreign policy forever if they have really allowed this uh, uh, bombardment to continue without having real access to humanitarian aid. You see, some watching this program across the Arab world and the Islamic world may be wondering why you have any hopes left about this. Uh, the uh, Japanese-owned Financial Times uh, was quoting an unnamed uh, G7 diplomat saying, we have definitely lost the battle in the global south after the uh, uh, support for uh, Zelensky in Ukraine, uh, the proxy war in Russia, and now the absolute military support for Netanyahu to kill all these Palestinian civilians. Uh, why do you have yeah. these hopes still? I'm having hope because I believe in humanity at the end of the day. Definitely, as I said earlier, the U.S. foreign policy is a disaster, but that doesn't mean that these people who hold these policies are humans. They are humans and they need to come back to their mind and to see things uh, uh, and to call things by their names. And it's an absolute reductionism if we only look at the 7th of October and talk about it without talking about the root cause of the seven decades long conflict. And I will put it this way, the 7th of October plus 70 years occupation. And in other words, the rise of Hamas is an Israeli responsibility. And Afshin, let me tell you of Ehud Barak, the former left Israeli prime minister Ehud Barak. He was, he, he was once asked uh, uh, what would he do if he was a Palestinian during Netanyahu's term. Do you know what he exactly said? Well, he said he was a Palestinian citizen under Netanyahu's term, he would go and join a terrorist group to fight back.
and I'm not making things up. Well, people can watch my interview with Ehud Barak, and he walked out of my interview when I explained to him that he, uh, well, they were the midwives of Hamas, after all, as, as we remember. But rather than your hopes of any kind of sense coming out of Washington, do you not think that uh, Crown Prince MBS and others uh, have different hopes, that there is a new world now emerging, devoid of the declining power of the United States, let alone Western Europe's, and presumably that was discussed when urgently, perhaps in the middle of the night, Iran's Foreign Minister Hossein Amir Abdullahian flew to uh, Jeddah, I think, uh, just after the hospital atrocity. I've never seen anything like it myself uh, since covering this from the Middle East, from the Second Intifada. Isn't, I mean, what did you make of the fact Iran's Foreign Minister flew in for this extraordinary uh, meeting this week uh, of the Islamic yeah, Conference? Yeah, with regards to Iran, uh, as you know, that we have had this kind of normalization, it doesn't mean that we have resolved all the issues we have with them. Definitely, there are a lot of issues at stake. And well, you know what Washington thought of when they saw this happening. You know what yeah, happened in Blinken's head. Maybe most, most of the problematic angle of that was because of the broker. The broker was China. And for the Americans, they are super sensitive with regards to anything related to China having diplomatic uh, strong relations and to be a broker in, of peace and, and to be seen as a peacemaker in the Middle East or anywhere else. So we understand that. But at the end of the day, we are going to take our decisions by ourselves to find a way through which we can actually transform the Middle East into a land of opportunity rather than bloodshed. And uh, does that mean we as Saudis will be in complete agreement with the Iranians? I don't think so. I don't think that's going to even happen uh, anytime soon. But we are trying to figure out a way through which we can actually coexist and to reduce the tension as much as yeah, possible. Yeah, I, I wasn't but, even talking about the sensitivities over BRICS and China or Iran, really. Because uh, is it true? Uh, do you understand that it was true that uh, Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman just kept Blinken waiting when he was flying everywhere, uh, trying to presumably make Arab leaders support the uh, alleged genocide in Gaza? Did he keep thank him you waiting? For so much. Thank, you for, thank you so much for mentioning the word genocide, because that's the way it should be uh, described. And uh, the fact that the, the Saudis have been very vocal and it's very easy to tell that they are very disturbed with the way the U.S. handled the whole thing. And I actually remember... Um, an Israeli historian and a Holocaust scholar, Ross Siegel, he said a couple of days ago, a couple of days ago, he said that what's going on right now in Gaza is a textbook case of genocide. A textbook case of genocide. Then some Israelis labeled him as self-hating Jew. And if that's the case, then what about the remarks of the defense minister of Israel when he called Gazans as human animals? after saying that they definitely decided to cut electricity, water, food, uh, fuel from Gaza, which has over two uh, million people, uh, half of them are children. So some may argue that he only meant Hamas, which is not true, he meant everyone. But let's, for the sake of argument, give them the benefit of the doubt and, 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 and consider what they've said to be only uh, talking about Hamas. Then what about the president of Israel's uh, remarks when he said, that the Gazan uh, uh, citizens are also responsible because they didn't take Hamas out. Indirectly, he is indicating that all civilians are legitimate targets. Some may also argue, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt, that he said it out of anger and he didn't mean it. Then let's also give 
them the benefit of the doubt. And what about the spokesperson of the IDF when he said, we focus on destruction and not accuracy? For the sake of argument, let's also give them the benefit of the doubts because they are angry right now. So what about the freaking IDF actions, for God's sake? Over, over 4,000 civilians got killed. Half of them are children. Like, what can we make about that? What can we, what can we say about that? 100 children get killed every day. There is nothing more despicable. But do you think that was what was behind the Crown Prince? Try to cover up for such actions. Obviously, this couldn't have happened. But this couldn't have happened without U.S. military funding. The Israeli Absolutely. government relies on the U.S. So is that why Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman uh, kept Blinken waiting? And uh, well, I mean, over recent months, look, he hasn't been look, away in U.S. orders. Look, I don't have a problem with the idea of them. Americans funding the Israelis because we've, we've known that uh, Israelis wouldn't have actually existed without the American uh, support even during the, the, the past wars. But at the end of the day, we want real peace between uh, uh, Israel and the Arab world. And you cannot achieve that. It's a wishful thinking to achieve that without draining the swamp of terrorism, which only can happen through the two-state solution. Because the only way to defuse and to remove militant group is to accept the fact that there are humans, human beings beside you who have been there and you have kicked them from their houses and, uh, 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 and, and give them uh, uh, their absolute rights. And we are not speaking of uh, uh, what Palestinians think or what Arabs think or what Muslims think. I'm speaking of the Security Council of the United Nations. I'm speaking of the international community. Everyone says that Israel is an occupier. So where are the international laws? So my problem with the United States right now is that how come you are the one who always, always talk about the international laws and how to abide by the rules? And when it comes to this specific issue, you only say, oh, it's complicated. No, just some would say on many issues, oh, though. Salman al-Ansari, I'll, I'll stop you there. More from the Middle East's most influential political pundit in 2021, according to Arab News, after this break. Welcome back to Going Underground. I'm still here with Salman al-Ansari, the Middle East's most influential political pundit in 2021, according to Arab News. Salman, just before we went to the break, you were talking about uh, two states. I'll, I'll get on to that maybe in a second. But, uh, you know, in NATO nation propaganda media, they were talking about normalization between your uh, kingdom of Saudi Arabia and Israel, uh, seen by the international community as committing war crimes at the moment. I mean, how can there even be any mutual defense treaty, as was being discussed by Saudi authorities and uh, Israel in September? I mean, what, what uh, there was a mutual defense treaty with the United States as part of normalization with Israel. Is that all bit in the dust now? It's over. I would say, I would say, we should never, ever even talk about the possibility of normalization at the current time if the Israelis wanted to commit more massacres in Gaza. That's my personal opinion, and I'm entitled to my own opinion. Look, Afshin, I am known for being- Pro-American. For, for <laughs> I've been an advocate for Saudi-Israeli uh, uh, normalization for so long. 
And I still believe that it's the way it should be because at the end of the day, we need to all coexist with each other. And I've also written an article in 2016 at The Hill that talks about the possibility of Israel to be part of the big Vision 2030 plan of Saudi Arabia by having exchange, by having economic uh, uh, and commerce, etc. But what we are seeing and witnessing right now is unfortunately is making things not almost hard, but almost impossible. So, so, so there must be some ways through which this escalation uh, uh, stops. Otherwise, it's going to be wishful thinking to have the idea of having Saudi Arabia, because the Saudis have repeatedly said that the Palestinians need to have a decent life, the Palestinians' rights, the two-state solution, the Arab Peace Initiative. We've been talking about this for so long. And, and, and I said it earlier, and I will say it again. We believe in, in the complete integration of Israel in the Middle East. But that cannot happen while you are depriving the rights of the Palestinians of having self-determination and to have basically the two-state solution. What so is I don't it? Know I, exactly the two-state solution, game. which I know is supported by Russia, China, uh, all the new emerging uh, superpowers of this century, uh, some might say that uh, the way that uh, Palestine has been cut to ribbons in recent years makes that just a talking point. They need to have one state with Israel and Palestinians all living together in a country called Palestine-Israel or something. You must have heard that argument before. The two-state solution is actually a, a sham. And as regards your piece in The Hill, what makes now so different to what happened to the Palestinian women and children and civilians in 2006, 2008, 2010, 2011, 2014, 2018, 2019, 2021 in Gaza? We saw the slaughter there. Yeah. What's the difference? Yeah. And I would like to say that don't look for my answers. Don't look for the answers of Palestinians or Arabs. Look, from, look for the answers from moderate Israelis who know for a fact that Israel's security will never ever be achieved without giving the Palestinians their internationally recognized rights. On top of them is self-determination and ending the occupation. This is 101 in political and security studies. Another important thing to mention is that uh, since the talk has always been about Hamas, in a way that would somehow sideline the idea of the West Bank and sideline the grievances of Palestinians and sideline the, the 160 children that ha are in prison in Israel right now below 12 years old. Let's not forget that Hamas has always been secretly cheered by the Israeli security apparatus. Why? Because they were happy to see Palestinians divided. They played the role in that divide. According to the former uh, U.S. Senator Ron Paul, the Israelis played a, a, a short-sighted game by supporting this divide, thinking definitely that this Palestinian uh, divide holds more benefits for them and that it will uh, make the two-state solution to evaporate. And they didn't know that it will backfire at them at, 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 at this scale. So if there is one thing I would like to say, or like an advice to the Israelis, there's one advice I would give to Israelis. It would be, don't you ever use your current outrage and anger and the temporary global popular support or the Western popular support to lose your mind and wreak havoc and commit more massacres. This will result in more strategic losses for Israel. It's time to reflect and act responsibly and to weigh your options logically, not emotionally. 
the lives of all innocent people should be saved, disregarding their ethnicities and religions. Uh, the idea of a scorched earth policy will backfire at you greatly. And as we know, four out of five Israelis think Netanyahu was the issue, according to a poll conducted by an Israeli university. And lastly, the train of peace, since you asked earlier about normalization, I think the train of peace in the Middle East had a temporary stop only. Okay, I'm trying to be optimistic here. Had a temporary stop only that needs some kind of maintenance. But I would say to the Israelis, don't blow up the train altogether. The train of peace needs to go forward so Israel can be integrated in the Middle East in the right way. You cannot deprive the Palestinians' uh, uh, rights, PLO, like or the the, the legitimate government of uh, of of Palestine has been extending the olive branch uh, and uh, for for the last thirty years since they committed themselves to nonviolence. Did the Israelis pick it? Did the Israelis pick it? No, absolutely not. To Hamas which, to which of course, to which that's of course, why, that's why I say. Yeah, but that's why I say Hamas and the far-right government of Israel, I would say it, are two sides of the same coin. Hamas wants to eliminate Israel as a government altogether. Israel wants to eliminate a Palestinian state altogether. So where is the difference? That's the thing yeah. that we to, need to... which, of course, the Israeli government would say they're not uh, blowing up any trains. They're just uh, doing exactly what uh, they should be doing. That's what Israel keeps saying. And as for many people that we can see behind the tear gas in Ramallah, they would say the Palestinian Authority has done the job of dividing Palestinians as the popularity of resistance groups has boomed in recent decades at the failure of the, as you call it, legitimate... Uh, I should say, unelected government in uh, Ramallah. Okay, if lots of people in Saudi Arabia are thinking like uh, you are, and people in the government of Saudi Arabia maybe, uh, what do you expect uh, from the United States in terms of uh, opposition to the Saudi position? Uh, already we're starting to see the weaponization of human rights, which I'm sure you're very familiar with in NATO nation propaganda media, but they also have warships in Gaza. They're, they're deploying all these troops. And they've clearly said it's not against uh, the Gaza government they're doing this for. Uh, is Saudi Arabia prepared to be threatened? Is the United States, uh, some people say, uh, declining uh, and acting like a dying animal as its empire declines? Is Saudi Arabia prepared for what the U.S. has in store for Saudi Arabia if it continues to disobey orders? Here's the thing. I can't speak of the Saudi government. Sure. What I can say is the following, that are we upset of the way the U.S. handled the whole thing? Absolutely, yes. Are we upset of the genocide and murderous IDF right now? Absolutely, yes. Are we trying our best to get the world to get back to its senses? Yes, we are trying to do so. How things will develop? I don't know. But based on the reports with regards to the U.S. Uh, deployment, I think the U.S. will not um, get into the, the, the messy situation uh, uh, right now, but they are there just to deter uh, Hezbollah and, the, and Iran in general. So it's just mostly like a symbolic kind of uh, uh, okay, wait, posture. But, that, but wait a minute. So in recent years, what we've seen is Saudi Arabia refusing the Abraham Accords, as the UAE signed. They uh, do a deal through China with Iran. They do a deal with Syria. They refused to increase oil production, as, being, as they were told by Joe Biden. I mean, how many things do you think Saudi Arabia can do against what the U.S. sees as its interests, and presumably Netanyahu sees against Israel's interests, 
without some kind of action uh, from NATO nations against Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia clearly def did not support the United States vetoing of the ceasefire UN Security Council resolution this week. Yeah, I think we should not go to have this kind of hyperbolic kind of expectations that things will go completely to... The pictures to, on our to, TV screens are more than hyperbolic, some would say. No, no, I'm, I'm speaking about Saudi-US relations. I'm not speaking about the situation in Gaza. In politics, you need to work with your partners. Let's not forget the United States is and will always remain our strongest security partner. We should not just sideline that. Does that mean we are in, in complete agreement with the way they conduct their policies? Absolutely not. But what I'm hoping to see, and I think it will happen, that the US will somehow rectify its trajectory and get back to its senses and to deal with the situation without having this kind of biased uh, uh, position that actually dehumanize the Palestinians. Because at the end of the day, the, the, the US doesn't want to be in confrontation with the whole Muslim world. It's not in its best interest. It's not in the best interest of uh, the policymakers of the United States, because at the end of the day, you don't want to repeat the same mistakes that you have done uh, through invading Iraq and Afghanistan. And the US is still uh, uh, um, thinking and contemplating about all the consequences consequences that happened uh, through that time. So I think the United States is trying its best right now to show to the Israelis that we are on your side. But at the same time, I almost, I would say, believe that the US will take this time and push the Israelis to find a way through which they can initiate or to reactivate the peace uh, uh, talk with regards to okay, the Okay, well, just finally, uh, briefly, do you expect Saudi Arabia to continue uh, forging good relationships with Moscow and Beijing, uh, avowed enemies of the United States uh, government and security services, according to what we hear from Washington? Saudi Arabia will continue to be good friends with China and Russia? Absolutely. Saudi Arabia is a friend with any uh, nation, superpowers or like medium-sized countries or whatever. Saudi Arabia has the absolute sovereignty to uh, multiply its relations with everyone. And the Russian government has been active through the Security Council to draft resolutions to basically ask for de-escalation and opening access to humanitarian support. So unfortunately, that was rejected by the US, the UK, and France. This will, as I said, will, 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 will have a stain on these three countries' uh, moral history. But does that mean we're gonna be on one side against the other? I don't think so, because that's not the way Saudi Arabia conducts its business. Saudi Arabia is there to be a stabilizer, to be in the middle, and to not take sides when it comes to this kind of superpower kind of uh, struggle. Uh, at the end of the day, the Russians, we are continuing our uh, relations with them. The same goes with the Chinese. And we have big uh, 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 projects that are ahead of us. So definitely, I think uh, the Saudis, we should not think for a second that the Saudis will be in a position to take uh, a side in this kind of multipolar uh, war that is actually uh, uh, on the rise. So, and right now, more than any time, after seeing the US position with regards to Gaza, right now, more than any time, we can see the benefits of multipolarity rather than the unipolarity that is that has been led by the United States. Salman Al Ansari, thank you. Thank you.
That's it for the show. We'll be back on Monday with former Saudi Petroleum Minister Senior Advisor Dr. Mohammed Al-Saban, who claims the latest NATO nation war crimes from Gaza to Ukraine signal the end of a Washington-dominated world. Until then, keep in touch via all our social media if it's not censored in your country, and head to our channel, Going Underground TV, on rumble.com to watch new and old episodes of Going Underground. See you Monday.